Welcome to Kraken Cove. This is Matt. Uh, no Benny today. He's on the mainland on a little mission. I think he's out there looking for like Bigfoot or the Gruffalo or something like that. Um, but um, but today I'm being. Uh, I've got a special recording for you. This is a recording by uh, Deep Dive Dave, uh, and he's got a fascinating story about the chess game from Beyond the Veil. So, uh, yeah, we've got a little conversation with Dave. That's going to be great. And he's great because Dave got in touch with us um, to let me know this story. And I managed to get across to record it with him. And um, you can do the same. If you've got any stories or anything weird or anything you'd like to be in one of our Halloween shows, then it'd be great to have you, uh, have you on board. So if you could send any stories on a little voicemail or something like that, please send it to... Uh, the email is crackandcovepodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on uh, Twitter at crackandcove uh, or on Instagram. We've already had people getting in touch with us on Instagram with stories, which is great. Uh, and we're at crackandcovepod on Instagram. And if you go to any of those uh, sites as well, um, if you're listening to the show, you can see some of the photos we've taken and, uh, and uploaded and so you can sort of have a little look at what we're talking about as well. Sometimes that's a bit of a help that people like. Uh, so yeah, please get in touch and contact us with anything you might want to add for Halloween. Hopefully we've got two more big bumper episodes to come out uh, at the end of this month. Um, but this is a smaller episode, but no less fascinating for it. So um, yeah, take it away, Dave. I'm back again with uh, Deep Dive Dave. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing fine, thank you, Matt. Yeah. And uh, we have a subject that you'd like to discuss with us today. Yes, yes. The uh, the great the chess match across the Great Divide. Oh, please tell. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think that might involve across the Great Divide? Across the Great Divide, and it is between. I, I'd imagine if I were going to, if I was going to imagine it, I'd imagine it's almost like a chessboard. A chess player uh, of some repute, I'd imagine, and yeah. I'd say something like a Ouija board, something like well, that. Well, you're or getting, or yeah, yeah. Well, you're getting very close. Yeah, you're getting very close. This story is is, is kind of mind blowing, right? <laughs> so okay. get get yeah. yourself tucked in, get yourself prepared, <laughs> <laughs> because what I'm talking about here is the chess game between former Grandmaster Geza Morozzi, Hungarian. Grandmaster died in 1953. Okay. And only recently died Grandmaster, um, Russian Swiss Victor Korchnoi. Right. Okay. And this happened 
between 1985 and 1993. Okay. So you're talking there's an eight year. Uh, uh, I'll explain why. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain why. So Korchnoi, Korchnoi, he's alive and well. He's a grandmaster. Yeah. He's ranked about 20th in the world. I'll have to look it up. Something like 20th in the world, living yeah. in Switzerland. And um, Morozzi, Hungarian, he died, as I say, died in the early 50s. Okay. And another character with a, a foreign name, Wolfgang Eisenbeis. This character is the one who brought this together. He has an int the guy's a... I think he was a stockbroker uh, or a, an economist or something, but he had a um, big interest in the paranormal. And he happened to have a big interest in chess as well. And okay. some, and he'd, he'd been working with this medium for a long time called Robert Rollins. Yeah. Um, German, um, Robert, Robert Rollins. And someone suggested to him, why don't you try and get Robert to seek a, a, a chess player on the other side? and get a game going and <laughs> this sounds rather incredible i'll tell i'll tell you what yeah what, what transpired um after a while it, it took him a long time he thought it was a great idea and he thought it was doable from his previous experience yeah with this medium who was very good um and he literally asked the medium to ask his contacts on the okay. other side yeah to hunt around for a, you know, a grandmaster who's up for this experiment. That's Meanwhile, so weird because just to pause there, the yeah. concept yeah. of what he's asking—the idea yeah. that spirits are kind of, I don't know, flying, searching—how would they find the energy of the, yeah. the people? You know, yeah. to find. Well, that. this is the great mystery. Yeah, um, and I imagine that anybody listening to this at this point is quite rightly completely sceptical quite rightly yeah, yeah. let's just continue with the story and we'll yeah fine we'll yeah. see what happens so meanwhile while that's going on Eisenbeiss is, is uh, approaching people very much alive on this side of things and he finally gets this Victor Korchnoi yeah to agree in principle <laughs> the guy doesn't know what the hell, what the hell but I agree in principle Right. So the months pass. Robert Rollins reports, I've got this guy, he's called uh, Geza Morozzi. Um, he, looks, he looks him up, does eyes and bice. Oh, okay, Geza Morozzi, Hungarian. Yeah, he was ranked 19th in the world at one stage. He right. became a grandmaster in such and such a year. Um, he looked him up. He, he said, okay. Robert, how do we establish that this this whoever is, is contacting you is this Gazel Morozzi? Yeah, yeah. So he came up with a whole load of questions about him, yeah. um, and this Robert Rollins, I should say, was was a an automatic writing medium. Oh, yeah, uh, something that really interests me. Does things like that? Yeah, transmediumship, yeah. hand going. Just going, you know, belting along and writing a load of load of information. Yeah. Actually, answers to these questions that he'd come up with. So it goes to thirty-eight pages. Thirty-eight pages of so much. Yeah. Writing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of information with facts 
in them, or right. facts which are to be verifiable uh, sort of data, sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so Eisenbeis has got all these these facts at his fingertips, and he sends them to Hungarian Chess Club. Okay. He gets in touch with a guy called Laszlo Sebastian, who's a chess expert and a historian. And he doesn't even tell him this is from uh, you know a medium trans stuff. He, yeah. he, he says, I'm, I'm doing a biography oh, uh, right. of, of yeah. Geza Morozzi. Yeah. And um, I, he's basically going on under that, that idea, that premise. Uh, and can you verify these facts about him? Yeah. In, in quite, it's inquired about and uh, accumulated. So Sebastian says, yeah, okay, yeah, no worries. And uh, gets involved. Does, he puts in about 70 hours of research um, he contacts Marozzi's two surviving children, and he's also got access to all the Hungarian chess club records. Right, yeah. Okay. I see. Now, there were 92, in that 38 pages, there were 92 statements of potentially verifiable facts. And Sebastian, totally independently, not even knowing that a trans medium is involved here, verifies 85 of those facts. Wow. But this is pre-internet. This isn't something you can easily research. Yeah, this is in the 80s and 90s. Oh, real. This is pre-wiki. Yeah. And even the remaining seven statements, he just he, he could he could neither verify nor um, nor yeah, uh, falsehoods. Yes. He, he just couldn't find that information. Here's the kind of level. Um, one of the the questions that Eisenbeis gave to him was. Right, Gazer, you you had a chess game yeah. in 1930 with a chap called uh, Massimiliano Romi. Okay. R O M I. Okay. Message comes back via Rollins. Uh, I never played a guy called Romi. I played a guy called Romi. R O M I H. Oh. Okay. So he looks this up, and actually, I've and now. Because I am in the age of wiki, yeah. I can also look it up. I have looked up this guy, and indeed there was um, a, a guy called Max Romi, R-O-M-I-H, and he was born in a part of present-day Italy, but it was then the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Okay, yeah. Italy took it over, and in the way that you know many many people like German immigrants anglicised their names over here, right? Oh, Similarly, right, yeah. this guy Italianized his name, Not took off the H, yeah. and he changed the, Massim, um, the, the Max to Massimiliano. Yeah. But basically, Eisenbeis is like, oh my, my God, that's incredible. That's a detail that's, that's almost incredible. impossible to have yeah. known, or to have guessed. No. Or to, yes, that's what you mean, yeah. Very so obscure. he says, so he says, okay, um, I think we've got our man. <laughs> and he says <laughs> to Victor Korchnoi, I think we've got our man. Yeah. Let's play. <laughs> So Kortznoy, is like, well, okay. Um, so who starts? Yeah. So he gets Geyser Morozzi to start. Uh, uh, and I should tell you about the medium Rollins. He knows yeah. sod all about chess. Uh, so Eisenbeis says, well, you know, here's, here's, here's a little bit of terminology about chess. You've got, you know, e, E4. Yeah. You know, pawn to E4, so-and-so to so-and-so. So he's got at least that. And um, Morozzi starts off as you said before this is pre-email 
yeah. pre-internet. So what, what Rollins does is he sends it off to Eisenbach by post. He said pawn to Samson. He then sends it off to Korchnoi. <laughs> Korchnoi, <laughs> Korchnoi writes back with his move. And they do this, and that's why it took seven years. Because, you know, many, you know, a couple of weeks, Whoa. a few weeks could pass between just, just sending the mail and getting a reply back. I have, I have heard remote games, a lot of remote games, by post like this. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's one of those things that's always fascinating because it's the ultimate slow, ponderous. Yeah. You can really mull over the, 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 the board mm. and mm. you can just look at it and just yeah. think, right, well, what will I do? And you'll go, go about your business and do something. You can look back at the board and think, ah. You can think a few moves in advance. Yeah. But the idea... Of a, of a game played between a, a living chess master yeah. Yeah. and a deceased one. By, a deceased one. And it's not just so that it's beyond the veil and it's yeah. by post. And it's by post <laughs> with this mediator, Eisenbeiss, in the middle. So, Rollins to Eisenbeiss. He posts it off to Korchnoy. Korchnoy, who might be out off on a, a chess tour or something. Yeah. So sometimes it would be months, not yeah. just not just ten days or two weeks. It might be months, but this is why it lasted. Did this game between eighty-five and ninety-three? Amazing, and it ended up with um, Marozzi um, throwing his throwing his hand in. He's, he, he admits defeat. Yeah. Now, what can we say about this game? What do the experts say about this game? Because we're talking about grandmasters, so the moves are dissected. Yeah, everybody, every grandmaster has a style. Some are uh, oh, defensively yeah. minded, some are attackers. Some will thrive in the end game. That's when you've got very few pieces left. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of cat and mouse okay. playing. That's the the end game. Uh, Marozzi was good at that. I, I'm going to read out what Korchnoi said about this game of chess that, that he'd had yeah. over seven years. So Korchnoi comments, actually this is after the 27th move, yeah. so this is during the game. He says, during the opening phase Morozzi showed weakness. His play is old-fashioned, but I must confess that my last moves have not been too convincing. I'm not sure I'll win. He has compensated the faults of the opening by a strong end game. In the end game the ability of a player shows up my opponent plays very well. So that's Korchnoi's comment uh, yeah. halfway through the game. Now Eisenbeiss al also sends this game to uh, an American, <laughs> Dr. Nepp, psychiatrist, who's also... A, I've checked his, his website, he's still alive, and yeah. he's apparently an expert in child prodigies, genius, oh, right, yeah. IQ, yeah. chess masters and stuff. And here's what Nepp says. He says, because of major stylistic differences, a computer yeah. could not have simulated this game. Yeah. He says, this is the style of Morozzi. When you study Morozzi's chess games, and, and some of these guys study games, yeah. you know what they're like. Well, weirdly enough, Benny so, does, you know. To an nth degree, yeah. this is going to interest Benny. Um, this, is what this, is what, this, is, this is for you, Benny. <laughs> this is for you, Benny. This is for you. Um, they, they can tell if you're an expert in chess you can tell the style of a player without even 
uh, knowing, like in this instance. Well, well, weirdly enough, this is the, the argument that happened with Gary uh, Gary Kasparov yeah. when he played the computer Deep Blue, mm -hmm. because it played to a certain style. Yes. And Kasparov played to defend or attack against that style. Yes. And he argued that Deep Blue cheated because ah. it changed its style halfway through. Wow. To a totally different style. And as a result, Kasparov lost to Deep wow. Blue. Wow. And in a weird way, that's shown here that the player has a signature almost. Yes. And that's yes. what they're seeing here is the, the deceased Grandmaster's signature. Yes. So here is the, the skeptical um, angle. Yeah. Imagine, okay, Rollins knew nothing about chess. He had to be shown how to. <laughs> how yeah. to describe a move on the board. Yeah. He knew nothing. So the sceptical angle is for him to be sending these moves that bore the signature of a Geza Morozzi game, he would have needed in the real world, right, yeah. the help of another Grandmaster. Absolutely, yeah. Right? To defeat a Grandmaster, that's... Yeah. He's not going to train himself <laughs> to the to Grandmaster yeah. level. Uh, in order to recreate the style of Morozzi, this would have to be yeah. someone else, yeah. wouldn't it? It would. It would have to be. That I think that's what the skeptical angle is here. That he would have to be being coached in yes. some way or another. Yes. Yes. Now, at this time in the late eighties, um, there were only two grandmasters in in the whole of Germany, which is where Rollins lived. Right. Um, just to put this on a in context, um, I checked this out with the, the FIDE, the uh, International Chess Federation. How many grandmasters do you think have ever been given that title? Oh, wow. What, in, the, in history sort of thing? Oh. In history, yeah. Sin since the, you know, the, be the beginning of the 20th century onwards, when, right, whenever, whenever the, the federation started. I'm I don't know, but... Let's have a, if, if I were to guess, I'd say it's a yearly... Perhaps a yearly thing we could perhaps hand out. Yes, I think I think they do do it. That, way. I, but I have no idea. Not being a chess person, but yeah. I, if I were to guess, it'd be almost like you're the grandmaster this year, sort of thing. Yeah. So is that? Yeah. How well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. We can speculate all this all I like, but I'll give it. I'll tell you. Uh, it's so far to date, it's one thousand nine hundred twenty-four. Oh right. People have had the title of grandmaster. Now, right. You can uh, you can view all their names. Noise in it, of course. Morozzi's yeah. in it. They do it by country as well, so it's uh, kind of interesting. Oh, I had a look yesterday. Yeah. At, yeah, put it in country order, uh, and you've just to see where the, the, the bias is. I mean, virtually every country has had a grandmasters. Grand yeah. Like Nigel Short, right? For, for the UK, you've heard oh, of Nigel no, Short. No, I haven't. Oh, actually. he no, was. Yeah. yeah, he was kind of on telly a lot. I think in the nineties. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a lot of. Russians, of course, that's no surprise. Yeah, Because yeah. you, you know, your Karpovs and your Kasparovs. Yeah, and, and they're the names that I kind of know. Yeah, the 80s, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point here is that out of the eight hundred million people that are, have been estimated to play chess in the in the world, <laughs> only nineteen hundred and twenty-four ever have got to grandmaster level. And at the time that we're talking here, uh, as I say, there were only two, two top. No, I think the two, top 200 of the world yeah. resided in Germany. So the concept here, that the sceptical concept here, is that Rollins needed help from 
one of the two grandmasters yeah. that were living in Germany at the time. Yeah. Who the hell would agree to that? Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's it's a, the sort of people who are chess grandmasters yeah. are the sort of people who be up for like a frivolous prank. Right. That's right. Because that's what it would boil down to. Yeah. Being. It's a ridiculous. Yeah. There was no money involved, yeah. by the way. Neither yeah. Rollins nor nor Kochnoy was paid. It was just purely an experiment out of interest. We'll do it. So there was no yeah. question of. Uh, well, we want to give him the right answer in order to make money. You know, all this is just, yeah. I think, a bit ridiculous. Wow. Um, and <laughs> uh, it ended after 40-odd moves, I think, um, with, yeah, as I say, Marozzi conceded in the end. Um, some of the, the, th the fact that he had died in 51, yeah. his, his heyday was... The, like the 30s I think yeah uh, perhaps the 20s and the 30s and that's why it was mentioned that it, his play was quite old-fashioned so the he played yeah. as he knew which was but in the contemporaneous with the 20s and 30s and chess has kind of moved on well it's even it's interesting like. the fact that it was actually the, uh, the the spectral player shall we say was mm. the one to concede mm. because the obvious arc of this particular story would be that the the from beyond the veil the player uh, defeated the living player yes but yeah, this yeah. is more of a there's more authenticity to, to this if mm. you ask me you mm. know mm. i mean mm. it could be argued that if his moritz's uh, play is uh, analyzable and people can use mm. the style then obviously that style yeah. is then mimicable mm. but to actually Mimic the style, yeah, and play brilliantly enough to actually get close to yes. defeating a living grandmaster and do it over seven years. Yeah, I mean, then, could you be asked? Yeah, that's like, well, that's the, the other question. Could yeah. you be asked? Yeah. What is the point? Yeah, yes, and it's not like it's very niche. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> it is. This will be a, a laugh. Yeah. We can have the laugh in about seven years' yeah. time, but uh, see you in twenty twenty. But boy, how we will roll about the floor <laughs> laughing! <laughs> well, what a fantastic story! And thank you thank once you. again, Deep Dive Dave. Thank you, Matt. It, as ever, it's been a pleasure. So that was my little conversation there with uh, Deep Dive Dave. Fascinating and weird. And it opens up an awful lot of questions as well, you know. Um, the time that it was recorded, well, this the chess match was actually played, was a, a, a very interesting time. Was it a fake? Could anybody be, anybody be bothered to fake it? If it was a, it was a computer actually sort of like uh, faking this thing, if it was a, a, an earlier computer doing it, why did it take seven years? I think it's yeah. It just raises more more questions than there are answers, to be honest. But um, it was a fascinating story and very well told by my good friend Dave. So yeah, so it just remains for me to say it's a big bye bye from Matt, and I'm sure I can speak for Ben and say it's a bigger bye bye from Benny. Cheers, guys. Either by email at Crack and Cold Podcast 
at gmail.com. On Twitter, at Kraken Cove. Or Instagram, at Kraken Cove Pod. Ha ha!